Hello, welcome to episode 13, which is a double bill of Caroline Duffy of Straight Talking English. This is episode 13 of Straight Talking English. I am already fudging my words. My name is Catherine. I am a qualified English teacher and I will be taking you through the anthology poems for AQA, both halves, love and relationships and power and conflict. The reason I'm doing a Duffy double bill is because her poems come up in both halves. So we have Before You Were Mine in the Love and Relationships half and War Photographer in the Power and Conflict half. Duffy is... well, there's not actually that much I can say about the context, really. Um, there's not... <sighs> There's not really much that's relevant, bless her. She was born in... Well, she was born quite a while ago, actually. She was born in 1955. That makes her a year older than my dad. And she grew up in Glasgow, in Scotland. She was actually from the Gorbals, which used to be a really poor, dodgy part of Glasgow. And she was Roman Catholic. That's slightly important in Before You Were Mine, but not really that important. <laughs> She is our incumbent poet, poet laureate, which is kind of an honour that the Queen gives out, which means, like, basically she's acknowledged as being an amazing poet and she kind of has to write poems for specific occasions, which is really cool, actually, because she is the first woman, the first Scot and the first openly LGBT poet to hold the position. She's also a professor at Manchester Met, so if you decide that you want to go to uni at Manchester Met, then that is what you will meet, that is who you will meet. She also holds an honorary doctorate from my alma mater, University of Warwick, and she has an OBE, a CBE, and a DBE. Oh my gosh, she is incredibly in incredibly well honoured. My personal view, I I kind of have a love-hate relationship with her because some things, some of her poems, I love, love, love. And some of her poems, I'm a bit like, meh. Then again, I mean, meh is a valid response, of course. I never used to like Before You Were Mine. I just thought it was a bit like, oh. But weirdly, my mum sent me a picture recently of her and my dad in 1984, shortly before they got married. And my instinctive reaction upon seeing it, because my mum and dad in the picture were younger than I am now, was to say, oh, bless you guys. In a couple of years, it's all going to change because you're going to have a really fat, oversized baby. Me, I was enormous when I was born. And a cat. And then you're going to have another baby and stuff is going to change so much for you in a couple of years. Bless you. And it's that feeling that really connected me to the poem Before You Were Mine. The first one I'm going to start with. Obviously, we all read it differently. It has different meanings for us all. For the poet, it's semi-autobiographical. It's about her mum and her grandma. And the era that she is talking about in the picture is the 1950s. Have a listen to this reading that she does, courtesy of Literature Today UK, and check her intonation on certain words. Before you were mine. I'm ten years away from the corner you laugh on with your pals, Maggie McGinney and Jean Duff. The three of you bend from the waist, holding each other or your knees, and shriek at the pavement. Your polka dot dress blows round your legs. Marilyn, I'm not here yet. The thought of me doesn't occur in the ballroom of the thousand eyes. 
the city movie tomorrows the right walk home could bring. I knew you would dance like that. Before you were mine, your ma stands at the close with a hiding for the late one. You reckon it's worth it. The decade ahead of my loud, possessive yell was the best one, eh? I remember my hands in those high-heeled red shoes, relics. And now your ghost clatters toward me over George Square. Till I see you, clear as scent, under the tree, with its lights. And whose small bites on your neck, sweetheart? Cha-cha-cha, you teach me the steps on the way home from mass, stamping stars from the wrong pavement. Even then, I wanted the bold girl winking in Portobello, somewhere in Scotland, before I was born. That glamorous love lasts where you sparkle and waltz and laugh before you were mine. Very nice reading, actually. I mean, obviously, it's a nice reading. It's her poem. But I really like that. I really like that a lot. Let's talk through this a little bit because there's quite a lot we can say about it. Even though her poems are generally quite easy to get into on the surface. For a start, it's an inversion of the traditional parent-child relationship because you'd expect the mum to be in charge of the kid and in other poems, like Mother Any Distance, you do have this sense of power, this sense of belonging. Whereas she is the older one, she's looking back on this young girl and it's this sense of possession coming from the other way, even the title, Before You Were Mine. So when she was her own person, it's also kind of a sense of guilt because the glamour, the glamorous love, quote unquote, that she talks about ended when she had this child who's Duffy. And like, is she guilty? Is she guilty for altering, for taking away that part of her mother's life? It's very idealised. I mean, there's no mention of like any problems that the mum faced. It's just this single set of images that are beautiful, that are an ideal tone. And we have this kind of idealisation of her mum. The poet's omniscient, as in she's above everything. She knows everything that happens. I mean, realistically, that could be through a sense of oral history where she's actually telling the mum and the grandma have told her these stories. So she's heard the different perspectives. But with the direct address, it's her engagement with the history. I might end up rambling about my family for a bit in this one, actually, because old photos are quite a powerful connection with your family. And sometimes if you know something that's happened to them later after the photo, you kind of want to say, just stop, just stop now. Something's going to happen to you. Like, you there, just pause. In terms of the structure, because it is, it's another one of our beautiful blank verses. So even though we've got these nice regular stanzas of five lines, it does appear organised from a distance. Four stanzas, five lines each, 20 lines, awesome, done. But there's no rhyme scheme. That's our blank verse. On Duff, holding pavement, Marilyn, occur tomorrow's dance close, it. It's this sense of chaos. 
within what appears to be organised. It'd be really easy to say that in some ways her life does, the mum's life does seem very organised and yet within there's this chaos. I mean, is it a good chaos? Is it spontaneity? Is it going out into the ballroom with the thousand eyes and having fun? Or is it this sense of unpredictability that she doesn't know what's going to happen to her in the future? The other kind of purpose of blank verse is to give it a spontaneous feel like a spontaneous outburst or a conversation because we don't talk in verse unless you know you're being silly so is it is it making it more personal I don't know but we have very much got our enjambment coming through I'm 10 years away from the corner you laugh on with your pals we know enjambment is used to represent flow either literal flow like a river flowing or a lake or the wind or something but I believe at this point it's the flow of time we also have and it's appropriate for something based on a photo we have these series of almost tableaus these like freeze frames that you might know from drama one is the three girls laughing in dresses one is them at the club and one is her with Buffy as a little girl going to and from mass. But it's nice. We've got these moments of just stillness. It's got this um, this circle of life. You know, it's difficult not to sing that or hold up a cat like a lion in it. So they're on the corner at the start, these characters. They come home, but then even though the ma is like stopping them, saying, oh, you've got to come home. Now it's the mum and Duffy. So it's this movement between the generations. I really like that. It's quite just a nice little poem, isn't it? We've got this really precise image at the start. I'm ten years away from the corner you laugh on with your pals Maggie McGinney and Jean Duff. We know the use of proper nouns indicates prior knowledge. We've kind of got this idealisation coming through already. Like we're supposed to know who these people are because they're important to the to the narrator as a young girl they have this importance and it makes it precise it makes it not you with two other girls who could be anywhere like it gives it a very specific place and time the three of you bend from the waist holding each other all your knees and shriek at the pavement think of the onomatopoeia in shriek it's got this like high tone but it's also got this um excitable quality like in some ways shriek could be negative like um the ghosts and the banshees shriek across the moor but it's usually used as excitement and positive your polka dot dress blows around your legs marilyn we'll talk about the pause on marilyn because it's a single word sentence and those are used in order to highlight a single idea or a single point we know the image that she's talking about it's marilyn monroe and some like it hot and she's got the white dress and she's standing above like the gratings and it's blowing up and she's trying to hold it down and it's this glamour this hollywood sense this iconic image it's one of the two semantic fields which is coming out we've got faith as a minor one and hollywood glamour like think old school golden age of hollywood coming through the like 
think the beauty of this moment is summed up in that one word. When I read it, I place quite a strong emphasis on that one word. But in the reading you just heard, Duffy makes it much more minor. So maybe that's not even the main point of what she's saying. Maybe it's like a double bluff. I quite like that though. You might remember from year seven or year eight, the standard answer that I swear I have met, must have read about 55,000 times is, the writer has used a short sentence to create tension. Well, okay, that's awesome, but what does that actually mean? Like, it doesn't really mean anything. But like, the point is that when you're trying to create tension, the short sentence forces your eyes to create a pause. And it's that start, stop, start, stop, start, stop that means you can't relax, that makes things more more tense, more exciting. And it could be between the Marilyn and the I'm not here yet, it could be a sense of something building up of this, building up of her life, leading up to uh, Duffy's birth. Think about the ballroom of the thousand eyes. I, I like that. It's either... I always think of that metaphor as being um a lot of dudes staring at her as she's the centre of attention or I kind of think of like a mirror ball where um, the light's hitting it and you've got the little sparkles going round either way it's very it's very glam it's very exciting I mean I'm always looking on the dark side me and the thousand eyes could show that she's getting a lot of attention like not necessarily positive because there's no mention of the dad there's no mention of who she met leading to Duffy's birth it's the reason I mentioned that she's catholic because there's a mention of the mum but then she is alone after that. So, I mean, make of that what you would tomorrow. Wait, make of that what you would. Sorry, I was reading the word tomorrow as I said that. The fizzy movie tomorrows. You know, like at the movie, end of the movie, the boy and the girl kiss, and then the credits come up, and everything will be good forever. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of vibe. It's this hope. I knew you would dance like that. Yeah, she's idealising it like I believed I knew that that's how you would be like the it's cool it's a really cool poem the rhetorical question in stanza three the decade ahead of my loud possessive yell was the best one eh it it is conversational it's a nice little conversation and it's this almost intimacy between them like I would know that I I know this we're close but I don't know I feel like almost she feels sorry for her mum. Like, you used to have loads of fun before I took over. It, again, it's the age, it's the shifting between generations. You used to have a lot of fun till I came along, bless you, young girl. Like, you had, you had a great time, but then I came and took over. And it's the yell and the shriek as well, the onomatopoeia, which are um, conflicting each other. Yelling is usually negative. Shrieking can be positive. And this juxtaposition of um, youth and age always carries on. Before you were mine, your ma stands at the close with a hiding for a late one. So at that point, before this girl, before the mum, is a mother herself, she is still a child. Just a note on pals and ma, your ma, I mean, the lady who is my female parent, I would say is my mum, and the setting of Glasgow, George Square, Portobello, is coming through in these choice of colloquial words, colloquial informal words. 
it's still, it's a sense of equality as well. The idea that I'm an adult, you were an adult, we're at the same place in our lives. And Duffy is a mother. She has two children, I believe. I'm just checking this. No, she has one child who was born in 95. So she she is a mother herself. This poem was written in 93, so it is just, just, just before she became a mother. And I'd love to think that that informed her. Like, she is now no longer just a child, she is a mother herself. But let's think about our second semantic field, which I mentioned very, very briefly, which is faith. I remember my hands in those high-heeled red shoes. Glamour. Um, also, I kind of think of Wizard of Oz, just because I, I like it. Relics. So the glamour has now become a religious icon. Relic, think um, in a church, there may be a piece of the cross or something belonging to a saint or like an object which represents devotion. And that is the relics, that is the shoes. Your ghost clatters towards me over George Square. Her mum was alive at the time of writing. Her mum died in 2005. So it isn't a literal ghost. It's almost the ghost of the person that she once was. Got the onomatopoeia again, clatter. You, Your heels might click if you're confident, but clatter? It's a sense of her youth. It's a sense of, like, not really knowing what to do with the big shoes. Till I see you, clear as scent, under the tree, with its lights... And who small bites on your neck, sweetheart? Well, again, I'm really happy, actually, that this is the first poem I've done where I don't have to talk about sex workers or some kind of deep trauma. But the bites on your neck, um, love bites. So she's kind of joking. She's like, who's are those? This affection, again, using the mix of senses so clear as scent i see you like you're a scent it's called synthesisia it's actually a medical condition which i honestly i wouldn't mind having i mean no no disrespect to anyone who does have where you can see colors and like taste sounds and your senses are confused but we can it's a nice technique it's very nice we've got oh my gosh so much more random here i swear every time i read this i notice new things cha 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 like must that must be a reference to something real like almost strictly come dancing like they're doing a little dance together and she still has faith they go to mass together it's coming home from the devotion coming home from a specific place and like i could see it as a return from devotion like going from the idealized version to today but stamping stars from the wrong pavement think the walk of fame on Hollywood and they're dancing they're going round in circles together but it's the wrong place she should have been in Hollywood she should have been living this great life but nope I the poet have dragged you down and got you stuck here and even when she was a kid she wanted to connect with this version of her mum even then I wanted the bold girl winking in Portobello somewhere in Scotland before I was born I mean somewhere in Scotland she knows it's Glasgow but it's the idea that the setting doesn't matter so much like what's 
really, really matters is the connection rather than the location. I do enjoy that actually because sometimes you remember a place where something happens and sometimes you remember the feeling in a moment. She's bold, she's winking, this cheekiness which Duffy's reflecting in who's small bites on your neck, sweetheart. That glamorous love lasts through the relics, through the photos, through the objects where you sparkle and waltz and laugh before you were mine. I like, I do like it as a finish. I mean, I wish I could say a bit more about the context or give you a little bit more. But with Duffy, a lot of it is kind of what you see is what you get. And the beauty is in the words she chooses rather than the beauty of what's going on at the same time. Like, I like it. What she remembers of her mum's youth is captured in this one photo, but also captured in her own imagination before she took over and she acknowledges her possession of this person now. And I guess maybe that's also the one thing she can't possess is the memory, is the person that was in the image. It's a nice one. If you want to connect with this a bit more, ask someone at home for a picture of them when they were young and see what feelings it evokes in you. It might just be like, you had a really stupid haircut, but it might not be. You might get a sense of where the poet's coming from on this one. Partners, partners and friends, partners and friends. Follower because Heaney's relationship with his dad in the last two lines makes the whole thing completely different in meaning. Also this sense of living up to your your parents' expectations. Walking away, um, possessiveness the other end, letting someone go, whereas Duffy retains the sense of possession in the mine, mine, mine repetition. Eden Rock... Um, Eden Rock wouldn't be my immediate choice but I know that it works in terms of a single tableau a a single vignette V-I-G-N-E-T-T so a single captured moment at the start with the mum and dad having a picnic mother any distance obviously it's a mum it's a it's a mum, it's a kid. Like, you may well have a question about parental love and its representation. These are a nice little pairing because we can say possession. Does Armitage want to fly away? Does he not? Is he? Is she an anchor? What about the picture in this one? Blah, 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 blah. The answer writes itself. There you go. That is my half on before you were mine if you are not doing power and conflict or you are rightly sick of hearing me talk about Duffy then feel free to switch off now because if you go on Spotify or you're listening to this on Spotify which I am now on straight talking English google it it's the pink book then still counts for my listens checking my stats feeling like I'm on my favourite murder or something right let's get on to the people doing power and conflict war photographer again not a huge 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 amount of context for this one she has friend who's a war photographer and their stories of going to war zones inspired her to write because it's this weird kind of like halfway zone between being involved in the war 
and observing the war and choosing how to represent the war and it's also got those indications of how the people back home feel like poppies what's the reflection on people at home as it turns out and I have tried quite hard I can't find a recorded Duffy reading for this I don't know if she's cagey or if to be honest I think she's over it it is quite an old one so I've got to just I've got to share this with you massive credit to spitting ink this is the rap version softly goes as though this were a church and he a priest preparing to intone a mass belfast beirut phenom pen all flesh is grass belfast all flesh is grass he has a job to do solutions softly trades beneath hands which did not tremble then they'll see you too now rural england home again to ordinary pain with simple weather can dispel Bills which don't explode beneath the feet of running children in a nightmare heat. Something is happening, a stranger's features faintly start to twist before his eyes. A half-formed ghost. He remembers the cries of this man's wife and how he sought approval without words to do what someone must. And how the blood stained into foreign dust. Uh. A hundred agonies in black and white From which his editor will pick out five or six For Sunday supplements The reader's eyeballs prick with tears Between the bath and the pre-lunch beer From the plane he stares impassively at where He earns his living and they do not care Whoa, edgy Well, I mean, it's not that edgy, but it is the best one I could find, to be honest. I did search through quite a lot of Duffy recordings, bless them. But kind of fun, kind of fun in terms of its structure. Neither of these are especially my favourite, but part of this project is I have to rip off the band-aid for the ones that I'm less keen on. We've got four stanzas, slightly longer than before you were mine, but we've got these nice regular six-line standards, standard stanzas, these sextets. We've got couplets split up with non-rhyming lines in between. So, mass, grass. Okay, um, a, a priest preparing to intone a mass, all flesh is grass. Or, or mass. Then again, feet, heat, eyes, cries, must, dust. But the ones in between don't really do anything. Potentially, this could be symbolic of order mixed with chaos. So we've got the chaos of like his daily life, of watching horrible, horrible wars, but also him attempting to bring order to it by capturing single pictures and like processing them and bringing a sense of completion to whatever's happening. I like the finally in the first line. Finally he can escape. Finally he can be on his own with the spools of suffering, sibilance. I always kind of took that as a softness, like a, a flow. It's this gentle, like, washing contrasted with the suffering. 
but it could also give a sinister edge because these are pictures of dark stuff of people dying and blood and guts and we'll come back to that when we do remains set out in ordered rows it's against the chaos and the order the only light is red and softly glows so the official line again the, the official revision guide peeps say that this is almost like a womb-like image where he's safe he's soft and everything is like calm and nice. I went a completely different direction with this because that, that's just me summed up in a sentence. Red light glowing, my thought was a confessional in a Catholic church. Because I know when the booth is occupied, there's a little light that comes on outside to say that, you know, you can't come in and talk to the priest yet. I see it as a confessional process, like giving his guilt to the world that he couldn't help. I also was thinking connotations of red light and the first thing that came into my head was Roxanne! This sense it's kind of something taboo, it's something bad, like he's put, he, he don't have to put on his red light, but he is to advertising something really negative. And assuming you go with the confessional tone, the confessional image, that semantic field continues, church and intoning a mass. It's, again, I've just, I've just completely gone a different direction from the official line. When would a priest intone a mass? Well, lots of different reasons. But intone, give this sense of the seriousness of what he's doing. If you've ever been to a Catholic mass, it is not really a laughing matter. I mean, I've only been to two, and so I used to work at a Catholic school. And it is very serious, the intoning, the solemnity. Catholicism, guilt confession he's wrapped up in the seriousness of his work but again if we're using the imagery of faith then it's almost like he has this religious mission to do this this duty to share belfast bay root phnom pen proper nouns again she loves them proper nouns indicating a prior knowledge remember this poem's written a little while ago so these would have been current affairs so belfast yeah northern ireland troubles beirut unfortunately still a war zone phnom penh cambodia if today i said iraq afghanistan syria it would have the same emotional impact and it's our triplet, our tricolon. It's making that the most memorable part because it's drawing on our own impressions. Single, single sentences, again, single word sentences, bang, 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 creating tension. We could also argue that the but, 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 but represents gunfire. Again, the all flesh is grass thing. I think these revision notes I studied are probably quite rubbish because I am just going, I'm going in a different track. Literally, it would represent metaphorically all flesh is grass, the idea that life is fragile, but it's, it's a funereal speech. He's giving the goodbye, he's giving the funeral, he's giving the reflection to these people who's died. Then... Tone change. He has a job to do. Seriousness. Gone. Back to work. We've got the sibilance. Again. The solution slop. Slop. Oh, it's a horrible word, isn't it? Think mud. 
The hands didn't tremble then, but seem to now. Steady hand when he took the photos, but now upon reflection, he thinks about what he's done. The action, the reflection, remains. Remains is a nice partner for this bit, especially the irony of how his hands are used. Rural England, short sentence proper noun tension i don't even need to keep going over this because it keeps coming up again and again and again ordinary simple life at home is boring show through these adjectives it's what my dad calls the old irish curse may you live in interesting times home is safe home is ordinary the interest the outside of the normal is the danger the horror the really disturbing line that she's put in next. The couplet fields that don't explode beneath the heat of running children in a nightmare heat. Yeah, explosion, nightmare, running, terror, horror, pain. And it's conflicted in this juxtaposition between the simple weather. Nice one. Says Yura again. Change the tone. Something is happening. We're back to the present he's looking at his photos and old school photos if you're developing them in trays the picture kind of appears slowly and when you can see the picture clearly you know that that's time to hang it up to dry on one hand the picture is developing he's going about his business but it's the memory being recalled as well the half-formed ghost he's recent the guy must have recently died and his status as a spirit is still forming i like it it's this or it's this metaphor explaining the origin of the image this little bit he's going to explore the tiny narrative he remembers the cries of this man's wife he remember pronouns give power he is the one with the power even though the man's wife is the one that holds permission he has the power he's deciding to get approval to do quote unquote what someone must back to this idea of it being his duty it being his mission blood-stained into foreign dust it's the old thing about tragedies that occur in english-speaking countries are much more well covered than tragedies that occur in non-english-speaking countries to paraphrase one of my favorite contemporary poet scrubius pitt it's foreign do we even care it's not in england it's not a place we know who cares even though he's named well the the character is named caroline duffy is named beirut belfast and phnom penh this could be anywhere i mean landmines regularly used in african warfare but it could be anywhere it's foreign it's outside dust the noun gives us this link back to the funeral ashes to ashes dust to dust but a hundred agonies in black and white does it represent the different sides in a conflict you're the black side you're the white side like a game of chess or is it just a comment on the photos this metaphor a hundred agonies every single photo he's taken is someone's little life is someone's pain is someone's horror but then the tone twist again from which his editor will pick out five or six for sunday supplement it's foreshadowing this end of they do not care the reader's eyeballs prick with tears between the bath and pre-lunch beers yeah it's trivial it's trivial it's meaningless i mean we're all guilty of this we're all guilty of this like we read about some tragic thing 
thing, we feel bad for a bit, and then we're like, okay, that was sad, and we go on with it. It's almost routine as well for the readers. Like, have a bath, read the news, go out for lunch. And after all of this little narrative, he is going on with his life. Little narrative, he takes the picture, develops the picture, editor picks it, and he's off again from the aeroplane. He stares impassively. Impassively? Like, does he actually not care? Is he not showing his emotion? Is he helpless? Is he worn out? Is this our compassion fatigue? At where he earns his living and they do not care. It's it's just a job. It's just a job, right? Like, his hands are shaking. He has to do this horrible stuff. But it's just a job. Just a job no big deal here this like denial is it an acknowledgement that he doesn't feel they do not care outside again similar to farmer's bride i covered last time they say it's an us and them kind of vibe the collective pronoun is he angry they don't care is he fed up helpless well they don't care is the they because we are clearly not him we are ourselves are we blamed as well because we are part of the problem rather than part of the solution Da-da, Duffy Double. What would go with this nicely? Quite a few, actually. Poppies would, affecting people at home. A Poppies is a difficult one to get into, but it is a natural partner. Remains, remains as well, like effects after the war. There's a kind of a desperate link saying his hands tremble because uh, he has PTSD, but it's a danger to say that we try and, like, we try and give people medical conditions when they're fictional characters. So steer clear of saying they have PTSD, but talk about physical effects. I'm not convinced by bayonet charge. Exposure might be nice in terms of some of the religious and the one spot of colour. Could do a nice contrast with Light Brigade. Anything negative about war? Chucking Light Brigade as the opposite. I would also say tissue in terms of paper keeping records i wouldn't i wouldn't say emigre actually tissue would work nicely kamikaze if it was me i would do poppies as an obvious one i would do kamikaze or if i was feeling brave i would do tissue and that is how I would tackle that one. I hope this has been helpful. I hope I haven't droned on too long because I'm aware that my podcasts are getting longer and longer and longer each week. And I think that's just because I keep getting excited about poems. After this one, we are going to do a nice contemporary one, one I quite like, which is Letter from Yorkshire. That's coming up next. And after Letter from Yorkshire, we are going to have another very exciting double bill on Seamus Heaney. And I really hope you enjoy me ranting about Irish history because that's what you're gonna get plug my pluggables I am now on Spotify I am on iTunes I am on Stitcher and I am on SoundCloud any way that you feel is more convenient to you it is all the same to me straighttalkingenglish.wordpress.com to see some of my writing and I am going to be putting up a little bit more this week potentially a bit about first world war if I'm feeling too happy and fancy dragging myself down twitter str8talk 
English. If you want to drop me a line, if you want to see some bad jokes, if you want to see a picture of my cat, just, just go for it. Have a lovely time trying to tackle the Duffies. And I will see you next time for Letters from Yorkshire.